0: to another episode of block talk presented by theater of the now i'm your host as always michael block if you love the podcast make sure you subscribe on apple Podcasts, audible google play spotify soundcloud or stitcher so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there it's 2022 and in this new year there's a new way to help support the podcast and keep the show going buy me a coffee is an incredible new platform where you the loyal block talk audience can say thank you to your favorite host All you have to do is show support with a few taps by leaving a little tip that's just like buying me a cup of coffee. And the great thing is, you don't even need to make an account. Visit BuyMeACoffee.com slash BlockTalk and keep BlockTalk going strong like a cup of coffee. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit TheatreInTheNow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. She is queen of the spook, lover of the uke, and some of her numbers will make you puke because you didn't think of them first. I'm looking at you, Disney ride mixes. It's the visionary herself, Obscura. Hello. Hello. So welcome. glad to be here. Yes. Welcome to 2022. Or as uh, I say, 2020, the sequel part two.
1: It's crazy to think that it's the new year already. Like, I, it snuck up on all of us.
0: Yeah, lots of shit's happened and nothing's happened at all at the same time.
1: Yeah. I mean everybody got their gigs canceled. That's pretty much, that's pretty much all that's well happened.
0: as as I say, new numbers, same blunders.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Nothing's changed. Well, how are you? How how is everything uh, aside from the world continuing to to end around us?
1: I mean, I have been honestly, as far as drag, like finally back in it like yeah it it took a like over the pandemic i i did a little drag just to you know try to do stuff but like it started crashing and burning real fast and i was like i can't do this right now so i took pretty much like a year-long break and you know after a year i was kind of like you know itching to get back into it so i did a show down in jersey um Mm -hmm. all the way like south jersey which was like A very quiet little show and then I have just been you know doing more looks that I haven't posted yet but it's been crazy to be like back in the mindset because I thought I would come back and like have to completely restart like. Have to learn how yeah. to do my makeup again but it was crazy like getting back into it with muscle memory and everything it i honestly look better than i have <laughs> in the past hey, you know
0: it's sometimes it's the repetition and then taking a pause and then redoing it you learn different things your muscles are 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 adapting to what they know but also discovering new 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 features
1: yeah honestly though uh, it's been great creatively like honestly having not a lot of opportunities because <laughs> which like, sounds awful like you know there's limited things going on in the city right now so it's really like it's good for my creative process because I'm able to focus on less things and sure. do more for those things, than you know if I were to be doing a show like much more often I would not have because I know a lot right. of people who, you know, they'll do like an open stage every week or they'll do they'll have like a weekly show. I don't think I'm there yet. <laughs> like I'm, I'm very much enjoying doing something once in a blue moon. But in 2022, it's just I, I have so many exciting opportunities popping up. Yeah, and, and what we're gonna
0: to... we're gonna get into all those because we you wow. you do have a, you have some things lined up as long as um, uh, variant number seventy three doesn't get in its way. Yeah. Um, or or is the I like to call it the angina variant. <laughs> um, just name them after all the drag queens. On Angina's coming, Vange coming, Tamisha Iman is coming for all of us.
1: Yeah. No, Tamisha Iman will come for you.
0: That's I true. It. I can't stand it. Well, we're going to start from the beginning. Always like to get the audience to learn a little bit about you. So
1: where are you from? I'm actually from New York City. Uh, it's like crazy to say, but I feel like every time I'm like in a room... With, like, queer people in the city, I'm, like, usually the only one who's actually from here. Because, obviously, this is, like, the queer destination to live. (laughs) Right, right.
0: Now, from here meaning, is there a borough you wanted to take uh, ownership
1: of? I grew up in the village. Mm -hmm. I grew up, like, literally around the corner from NYU. um, And then my parents moved uptown when I was, like, three.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Now, being in the city, you must have been well-versed in the culture and the arts that New York, uh, as you said, queer people come and flock to. What was it like being surrounded by it at such a young age?
1: Honestly, what was really crazy is I feel like it was almost like destined that I'd end up doing drag because my mom loved going out in like the late eighties to um, East Village bars where like Rue and Bunny were, Lipsinka, like she has all these stories that she used to tell me as a kid, you know, about going to like the pyramid club and, you know, going to Wigstock and all that. And I was just like, wow, this is like such like a crazy culture. Because my mom grew up in New York, too. she's from the city. So she had a lot of friends in like the eighties and nineties, who were, you know, in the kind of club scene, she was she got around. She really. <laughs> well, well okay. You know, we'll kind of listen, I mean, if she got around, is it possible
0: that Rue and Bunny are your grandparents?
1: I mean, who knows? It, it's <laughs> totally possible, but I always love to joke around and be like, my real actual biological mom is my drag mom because she literally introduced me to the whole culture. I mean, I was weaned on like things that I shouldn't have been weaned on, like sure. John Waters films and Rocky Horror So I feel like all of that. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. Like looking back at like my upbringing, like why I do the drag I do today, because I do reference a lot of that. And I mean, my parents met at CBGB's, which is a punk club. And I feel like a lot of my references have also been punk and a lot of rock references. I've been starting to throw more in, but it's, it's crazy to kind of like grow up in an environment where I felt like, I was always surrounded by drag where it was very visible to me because i know that a lot of people actually i feel like most drag queens were not raised in an environment where they were really close to it as a at a young age so being exposed to it it definitely like informed where like you know where I picture my drag in like a space and time kind of.
0: I mean, I, I I don't want to out you or anything, but you are a little bit younger and, uh, you like, you have this very historically queer perspective on the art form that people at your age just don't have. And do you, do you say that's because of how you were brought up and, and the things you were exposed to?
1: Definitely. No, I think I always like think it's funny (laughs) because I like look back at like, um, you know even what i did during ultimate drag pageant and look at the references i pulled and i'm mm-hmm. like those are very different references from like the people in the room obviously yeah. but it was just i don't know like when i did like my divine number i definitely wouldn't see somebody my age probably referencing right. something like that i mean but yeah no someone I def- your
0: age to know who divine is that's a that's that's a <laughs> Gift in itself.
1: <laughs> there is that. No, but it like, you know, now that I'm like a little older than I was then, I definitely see I look around me and I see the other queens who are kind of in the same age range because when I was starting out performing, I was not with a lot of queens who are in my age range. But now right. I'm perpetually surrounded by them. So Was um, it because you
0: maybe weren't allowed to be in the bars
1: yet? I don't know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there, there was, I mean, I, I won't lie and say I wasn't, you know, in drag, in bars when I was underage, because I was. But that was, I mean, I, it feels a long, long time ago, but realistically, it wasn't too long ago. But, That's
0: fair. I mean, l- listen, there is a bitch on Drag Race this season who's been around in the New York drag scene for how many years before they were supposed to
1: even be in bars. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even Aquaria was out mm-hmm. there in at 18 so many performers I feel
0: absolutely Um, so growing up what were you like
1: I was a crazy kid I was so weird like I didn't fit so (laughs) this is like going into too much detail but when I grew up I started at um I went to a Jewish elementary school so Mm -hmm. because I was brought up Jewish um and I just stuck out like a sore thumb there because everybody was very like religious and I didn't really give a crap about that. And I just remember like one of my last years of that school going to Hol- or Purim because um, we didn't have Halloween. <laughs> going to Purim at school dressed up fully as Lady Gaga with like, the because the t- this was like right after... The fame, or it was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it was like right after the fame. So I dressed up like with like the blonde bang wig and the, I think I had like the telephone glasses. It was a very fab look, but that was like one of my first drag looks.
0: I mean, if that's an age you just now, I don't know what's going to.
1: Oh, yeah, I know. I was literally in elementary school when the fame came out. So there's that.
0: I was. (laughs) Of college. No, yeah, I was just out of college. Um so there there there's the, our age gap. Where did you ultimately go to school?
1: If you went to school. Um I went to school t- Okay, this is like I think it's like so funny to say this too. I went to Bronx Science, which is this very prestigious academic science and math-based school in the Bronx that has amazing alumni that went like Neil deGrasse Tyson, so many insane scientists Mm -hmm. went to that school. So I ended up there somehow, um, (laughs) which, you know, I I think it definitely informed a lot of, um, the way I approach my drag in a very technical way. I think getting like that engineering background, then going to college at NYU for engineering and media and, you know, basically graphic design, all kinds of things. Definitely inform the kind of drag I do today because I am very like aesthetically driven and also take a very like technical approach. Like I'm like, what can I do technologically to advance this number? Which I feel like you know, queens like Sasha Velour, Vander Von Odd, are all mm-hmm. these kinds of queens that have taken advantage of a lot of technology. So I definitely think that like. Randomly going to like school for things that are so unrelated to drag have in a way helped my drag. So you you're from New York,
0: you go to school in New York. Do you ever have the urge to leave?
1: The thing was around it was around 2019, I was like, I need to I need to get out of here for at least a year, half a year, Mm -hmm. something. And late 2019. I got a job at Disney. So I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do. So I did the college program with Disney and I met so many people there. Surprisingly, not a lot of queer people, (laughs) but people who introduced me to a lot of queer people in California, which was cool. Um, Like I met actually like quite a few drag queens through living in California, but obviously I was there for like two months And then the world shut down. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to say that like New York has like a chokehold on me almost. Like I can't escape. Um, Got me in a headlock. But I I feel like I'll end up moving someday, but it's just not in the near future.
0: When did drag enter your life?
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, I already spoke a bit about how drag was definitely something that I was brought up with. I mean, my grandma said when I was like, five years old, maybe seven, something like that. I had this like, she had this like box of costumes in her basement that were like her mother's clothes and like random costumes she accumulated over the years. And I remember taking out this big black spiky wig that had fiber optics in it. And she said, I marched up the stairs in it. And I was like, I'm a transvestite. (laughs) Because <laughs> I was, I was trying to be Frankenfurter because I thought the wig naturally, like that. Um, and I mean, I always was dressing up in, you know, you know, for a laugh.
2: Mm-hmm. When
1: you're young, you wear a dress, you make somebody laugh. I, I definitely was one of those kids, but drag, for me, really started when I was a junior in high school. I had a friend. All my friends were obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. I hadn't really heard of it or I'd heard of it, but I hadn't really, because I'd known who RuPaul was through my mom, but I hadn't really watched the show ever. My family was never like a reality show kind of family. So I started watching it and I was like, I should start trying to do drag (laughs) because I feel like so many people in my age group at the time, like it was right around season seven, it was like Trixie, Katya, you know, Mm -hmm. Pearl, Violet, queens that people were like obsessed with. So um, it was right around then and everybody was doing drag. I feel like every like young queer kid (laughs) wanted to be on Drag Race. So I started doing drag. It was really bad at first. I mean, there's still photos of it on my Instagram. If you scroll all the way down, you could see me in high school doing really bad drag. But yeah, I started doing drag around then. And then as I got older, um, I, I mean, my drag got a little better. And then I was at a brunch. It was Gina Tonic and Gilda Wabbits um, brunch at the uh, LNW Oyster. It was called Sisters Drag Brunch. And uh, I think Gilda was out of town and Poppy was the guest at the brunch. So I met Poppy through that, who's now killing it in San Francisco. She looks so, so, so good. But And maybe killing people. <laughs> I- we don't know.
0: We that, That's another story. We don't know.
1: <laughs> but um, basically, she had offered me a spot in her show one night. And I started performing at the West End and that's really how I started performing in drag in the city um, I had gone out in drag a bunch of times to Sasha Valeloi shows who was always such like a welcoming um, presence always um, always wants people you know wants like has such like a vision for a community that like I feel right. like not a lot of drag queens um, from Rupaul's drag race really. Um, you know strive for as much as sasha because she really has built like a beautiful group of people through nightgowns mm-hmm. and so i started going out to that and then bizarre bushwick which is now closed and the west end which is now closed <laughs> so you're the kiss yeah, of death I started... what you're the kiss of death i i i guess i am no it was really like hilarious like getting back into drag and you know i'm just I'm like I want to get back into drag, but the venue in Brooklyn I used to go to is closed. The venue in Manhattan I used to go to is closed. So I'm like, basically, was like, what do I do?
0: Right. <laughs> what is the origin story of your drag name?
1: Okay, so a lot of people think. Okay, I've been asked this like a lot of times if it's um, if I'm named after the antique store that used to be on Eleventh Street. No. Um, no. <laughs> But because um, the, there was a popular show about it called Oddities, but they were actually quite rude to me when I um, reached out to them to do like, you know, I like reached out to them. I forget why, but they were really mean. And they were like, you should change your name. And I was just like, okay, well, the store is closed now. So I don't know. <laughs> on you. But, but uh, my drag name. Okay. It, it's, it used to be, when I first wanted a drag name, I wanted it to reflect the fact that I wanted to be very like photograph based, very like Cindy Sherman, the fine artist who like does like mm-hmm. these amazing portraits of herself and you wouldn't be able to tell they were her. So I was very much like when I started out in drag, I was like, I want to do something like that with drag. Cause I, I didn't want to perform at first. So I was like, I want a camera based name. Mm-hmm. So I was like looking at like camera terms and I was like, hmm, Cameron Obscura would be, <laughs> and then I was like, no, it's terrible. So then it was Obscura, and then I was like, I'll put my birthstone at the end. So it's Obscura Peridot. And then I dropped the last name, and it was just Obscura. And it's been Obscura for like five years at this point.
0: Bear, Madonna, Obscura. One name, all you need
1: yeah honestly it it, i've like always was toying around with like what if i wanted to change my drag name but i really could not think of a better name
0: that's fair for what i
1: do how would you describe obscura in three words three words um she's kooky she's psycho and she's a mess
0: (laughs) Fair. that's fair how long does it take for you to transform into obscura these days
1: um, honestly, it used to take me so damn long. It used to, I would like literally be sitting and this wasn't even when I was doing good makeup, it would take me like three hours. And I was like, how, because now I can do like a very clean mug in like an hour and 30 minutes and then get dressed in like 30 minutes. And then I'm like out the door.
0: Do You have any traditions you
1: have when you get ready? Um, I usually have to have a red bull. and I have I usually am either playing what I'm performing that night or something in like that universe of music just to get me like in character a little because I tend to approach my numbers very like what what's like the mindset for what I'm about to do absolutely what would you
0: describe your drag style as
1: drag style um honestly I feel like I have a very like hybridy style these days which is kind of like There's like a little bit of clown references, there's a little bit of like, you know, more like alternative rock references, but I also pull a lot from like old Hollywood and Mm. like, you know, vintage glamour. So I would say like my aesthetic is very much, um, I would say like femme fatale kind of mysterious horror movie, like (laughs) horror movie character villain something in that universe
0: now when you put a look together are you the full picture fantasy kind of person or do you say i can wear this look and i can perform any kind of genre that i want and y'all can go fuck yourselves
1: i am very much a it freaks me out to not do something that's fully cohesive like i'm such like a stickler for like if i'm wearing this outfit this is the one thing i'm going to perform in this outfit So do you
0: go to a gig if you're, like, at a guest spot where you have to do, like, two or three numbers, and you're like, I want to go change. We'll see you in five minutes.
1: It depends. There was – I did a guest spot once where um, I did bring, like, a couple changes of clothes because I didn't want to be stuck in one outfit. But if I were to do something like a brunch, which I feel like is a very different kind of thing, which isn't really, like, the kind of drag that I I would say I do mainly, but – If I were to do a brunch, I would be fine in, like, one costume, and I would pick, like, a set of songs that I feel worked for all of them.
0: That's good. I like that. I'm here for that. Who are some of your inspirations when it comes to
1: drag? Inspirations? Oh, my God. There's, like, so many. Um, I would say drag queen-wise, drag queens that I definitely, like, see and I'm, like, visually inspired by are, like, Sasha. I love her use of, like, color blocking and, Mm -hmm. you know, detail work. And just she's these very, like, grand um ideas that I think translate really well um and I'm also really into Queens like um there's like this set of like Queens from Paris that are so wacky and interesting that I think look so cool um but also like mainly I I would say my like references truly come from like weird places I mean Obscura is definitely a great name because I do pull obscure references for my makeup. Like at one point I was very much referencing this Italian pop singer from like the seventies named Mina who had like very dramatic, like crazy eyebrowless makeup. Um, sometimes I'll pull references from, you know, I'll see something on Instagram, but mainly I would say like most of like my fashion references are odes to like, you know, vintage horror, if not something that's like a bit more like 70s through 80s, um, I would say, or 60s through 80s mainly is like my fashion sense.
0: We've we've really gone over, you have a very unique distinct perspective on drag and your art. One thing that a lot of young drag artists need in New York City at least is to do a competition to get ahead and get their name out there. How was it for you to either do weekly competitions or long for a competition as the artist you were? and re- kind of receive the feedback from other drag artists who are you know the the death drop queens and the pop numbers every 5 seconds queens like how did that affect you as not only a young drag artist but a young person
1: i definitely think that um i learned to like take criticism with a you know t- take what you think would help you out of criticism i understood that like when i did these competitions and had these opportunities that i definitely was not going to be a lot of people's cup of tea because i was performing at venues where people wanted to see something very specific i felt like when i did stuff in brooklyn it was very much a you could do whatever you want and we love it whereas in manhattan it's a different story i felt When I was performing at the West End, when I was doing Ultimate Drag Pageant, I started out doing numbers that I thought, you know, this is something that I would like to see, but not taking into account the fact of who my audience would be and who was, you know, I love Marty, but she's a very specific type of drag queen, one that's like wildly different from my kind of drag, wildly different. I think Martyr spoke about this, or at least I've talked to Martyr in different um, queens I was in the competition with, they felt like Marty didn't always understand what they were going for, but, you know, made it her mission to kind of, you know, do what she could to help, you know, like she didn't, like she understood that she wasn't like not exactly the best person to give advice for drag queens like me and Martyr, for example, but she did what she could to, you know, push us in the right direction.
0: Yeah, Which I thought, you know,
1: she was very helpful when it came absolutely. to Absolutely, I
0: mean, I was there every week. I I, I remember. Let, let, let's talk a little more about that season. It was a very unique season, especially because it was a interestingly, interestingly diverse cast where mm-hmm. you had the queens who are going to do the mainstream drag. You had yourself and Martyr. I mean, you had an AFAB Queen Vicky. And yet, it was one of the most predictable seasons you can ever possibly imagine just how everything went out. Do you have any fond memories from that experience?
1: Okay. I I know you said it's predictable. Like, obviously I, I, I feel like, yes, like the people who ended up in the top three were definitely there from the start. I felt, um, I do have a lot of fond memories. I mean, I definitely think that, um, me, Martyr and Vicky were, (laughs) <laughs> the oddballs in the competition. Because there's Vicky feeling like she has to give like 110% to be noticed. There's Martyr, who's like very artistic and t- takes very different approaches to drag than most people I've seen mm-hmm. um, perform. And then there's me, who was, you know, I'm like, well, I I don't want to do the theme, but I will do something based on the theme that like, <laughs> like, I like. The I'm Jason. Just, I will admit I was being a little difficult with some of the themes just because I was like, I wish we had better themes because the cycle before I felt had better themes and the cycle after had themes that I was like, which I mean, I felt like they might have been inspired by themes they'd seen at other drag competitions. (laughs) um, I say nothing there. Yeah, I definitely think that um, it was overall a great experience. I, I felt like I had a lot of fun every week, like coming up with like, numbers, I think towards the end when I finally felt like I knew what the crowd wanted to see for me, like what I could do to excite the crowd and what I understood I could bring to the table that, you know, made me stand out. I felt like I was much more comfortable, but there were times during that competition where I was really second guessing myself because there was like me, Martyr, and Vicky feeling like we were you know underperforming because of things that like were out of our control like you know not being understood stuff like that and i also think that there were moments where there were other people in the competition who were not being so kind to people like us um behind the scenes (laughs) is there a week you wanted to do over I've been thinking, I've actually been thinking about this, like if I did Ultimate Drag Pageant All-Stars, or if I did, if I could do it over again, what would I do different? And it was the Broadway week. I felt like I totally like phoned, <laughs> phoned it in with like, I was like, I literally have no ideas because I was such in like a, I don't want to do a Broadway song like mindset. Like I was like, I I just can't. And, but since then I feel like I've I've grown to love. I mean, I'm literally seeing a show tonight. I've, definitely grown to appreciate broadway music much more in drag and um Absolutely. I definitely think that there are broadway shows that I can use in my drag. I mean, I have a bunch of numbers coming up that are broadway themed.
0: So you mentioned that you did kind of take some time away during covid and the quarantine, but how did it affect you as a drag artist overall?
2: Like the break?
1: Yeah. I would say it definitely allowed me to completely put, like to completely drop my drag and not think about it was very helpful coming back into it because when I could, you know, when I picked it back up, I was like, wow, there's so much I like overlooked or so much I wasn't doing that I could have done. Um, so taking that break, then coming back and thinking I have a completely new you know, outlook on what I can, what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been extremely helpful. I mean, I have like all these crazy concepts that kind of, you know, came completely out of not doing drag for so long. Now, did this new digital world
0: help you as a drag artist or were you someone who was longing for a stage and
1: stage a live audience again? See, this is what I I felt was like the most unfortunate <laughs> circumstance that happened. Right before the pandemic, like before, I always wanted drag shows to be online. Mm -hmm. Like always wanted there to be virtual drag shows because I felt like I could do, because I was so into doing video work. Sure. And then the pandemic comes along and drag is pushed online. And I thought, wow, this is gonna be amazing. But then I realized that it was not a perfect science moving drag online. I felt like it was, I mean, I loved the production behind the shows but I felt like due to things that were out of producers' hands Sorry. those were it just wasn't the same. I mean people were not making money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um through drag, which I I definitely like. I don't do drag for money, but you know, I feel like when people are putting that much effort into shows and people like come to a show and then they they just, you know, drop into a, a Zoom, let's say or drop into um a twitch stream and then they just like watch the show and then leave i mean i understand that like obviously this is a very different world but i felt like it definitely like at least talking to other people about it it definitely had a big mental impact on a lot of drag artists because they felt like if drag had to move online for a while it just wouldn't be feasible because i know a lot of drag performers who do drag full time and they would not be able to survive doing these online shows i
0: mean it's one of those things where there's the expectations of perfection and as someone who produced my fair share of digital drag shows it was it was one of the biggest headaches and yeah there was a reward of the way at least we did it with the zoom having the zoom kind of allowing everyone to still interact well even if you didn't want to show your face you could still send the message and see what people were reacting to Mm -hmm. but It didn't matter how that experience was, because if you're freaking out about uh, your tech and the um, Zoom crashing or the lag of the sound and the audio to the video, it's not going to be the experience you really want it to be. And then you tried, then we had a lot of people try pushing it over to like the YouTube. And then you're like, you're missing the interactive part about it because you're in a message board and how 2000s is that? Like it, it just never married itself to what it could have been, but I think it did. It it did open doors for new artists.
1: Oh, I definitely agree that it was a great opportunity for people that might be, you know, wanting to perform but were maybe not ready for a stage yep. or stuff like that. Like I definitely think it was helpful for that. I definitely think it was night. Nice. Like I was a part of many digital shows. I felt, but most of them were YouTube shows, which yep. I felt got. Not a lot of views, and they just you know I was in it with so many friends, and we like worked so hard on these numbers and then, like nobody watched these shows yeah um on YouTube, and nobody really like tipped or anything like you know every one of these shows had like these Venmo links in them, and i I just felt like everybody I talked to didn't make a whole lot of money doing. Um, the good thing
0: about try. the Zoom when we when we were doing it and had Hariola be like making people guilt trip them out of tipping, so that was another good benefit of Zoom is like yeah, can no, definitely be like, like
1: give us money. Was... I can see you. <laughs> yeah, no, I would I would say your show was like the most successful um, digital show I was a part of because it was on a Zoom. There was that like interaction. I think like platforms like Twitch and YouTube. Did have their downfalls because the I mean, ones...
0: like visually, ten times better. I'll be the first to admit that. I'd rather watch one on YouTube, but it gave everyone the out to not have to tip like you were at an actual drag show.
1: Yeah. Plus, I also felt like just having like it just because it couldn't be a live show, like live in person. I felt like mm-hmm. the Zoom did still kind of give that idea of it being live. Like it's yeah. still like it still felt like a live show because there was like live aspects yep, other yep. than the number.
0: When it comes to competition, you did take part in some digital things and, mm-hmm. and forms of competition. Um, we're gonna, we'll, I'm going to do investigative journalism here. Let's talk about uh, drag showdown.
1: Okay. <laughs> I have a lot Let's to say it. about drag showdown. I first did drag showdown when I was very young I was maybe 16, 17 the first time I did it. Um, And that was my first big drag thing. Like that was like, basically at the time, all the underage drag queens were kind of in this big online community, like huge, so many queens. There were like waves. We always talked about waves of different um, teen queens. And basically this drag queen named Crystal Ball, I had won an Instagram competition, because first it was like Tumblr competitions, then there was Instagram and then there was YouTube. Um, so basically she had asked me to do this experimental kind of rip off of RuPaul's Drag Race. I was like, sure, I did it. I was robbed <laughs> the first time um, because I just wasn't widely liked because um, there was this one queen on the show that like very much pandered to um, trends and you know the audience and all that and like was like I'm relatable blah 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 and people liked them much more and it was an audience vote at the end and even though I had better looks <laughs> I did not get the crown but um, I because of that whole situation I was invited back to do an All Stars to which I was like I'm a little old to be doing like, to be competing with people that I feel like are much younger or at different stages of life, uh, which I should have probably thought a bit harder because it became such a negative experience. Me and my friend Alice in Wonderland, we had done it together um, and then I'd become friends with Alice Noir through it, who's a really cool drag queen in Long Island. Um, And basically we all went in there, very like, we're just going to be real, we're not going to, you know try to play any games, be shady, anything. And there were these two drag queens that just made it such an awful experience for everybody because they just continuously wanted to have fights. Mm-hmm. And it just became really ugly, and it was unpleasant to deal with. Basically, there was this runway <laughs> that was a neon runway. And this queen, who we were all talking with, everybody was friendly, sent her look to a few of us and we're like, that's not neon, that's burnt orange. And she became like enraged and basically, you know, because we didn't think her neon look was neon when it wasn't. And went on like a whole warpath because she thought that we hated her just because we thought her dress wasn't neon um and then basically spread a bunch of rumors about us and it got really ugly and i don't know it may it also that also turned me off in drag for so long because i was like what's the point of even doing it when nobody cares to listen to people who are actually you know being honest and just you know care about internet drama that's not even real i mean it's I I i was
0: gonna ask did that kind of behind the scenes offstage drama affect you as a performer
1: It made me not want to do drag like fully I I, like was like, at this point, I don't even feel like it's worth it because nobody was listening to me at the time when I was trying to explain what was going on. I mean, this queen was literally like an awful person and everybody decided to, you know, listen to her because she was the one who like made a big stink about it when it wasn't even that big a deal. Yeah. Where is she now? Literally, I have no clue. I, I can tell you she's not producing a huge drag show.
0: <laughs> there it goes in the upcoming
1: month. Well, let's dive right
0: into it. It's a great segue. On January 31st, you are producing a new live event called Visions at the Slipper Room. Tell us about it.
1: This show is insane. Like, that's all I could like. This has been a show that I've wanted to do for so long. Visions mm-hmm. started the, the road, like truly started. Dragcon 20. 19, Okay. I had tried to put on a show called Visions that was going to feature a bunch of queens that I knew who were in town. Unfortunately, the show did not happen because of scheduling conflicts with the venue that I had originally chosen. So I kind of like shelved it and I was like, we can revisit that at a later date because this was right around the time that I really wanted to, you know, start branching out um, and doing more, you know, shows that I felt like I can create a platform for my own drag. Because I felt like a lot of shows that existed were not perfect for the kind of drag that I do. So I was like, better to create like an opportunity for myself. That way I could also create an opportunity for other performers who are like that. So that was shelved. And then I revisited it during the pandemic. I was going to do a digital show, but um, I just really like it was difficult to coordinate with people and it just didn't end up happening. So around last year, um, around November, I was talking with Alice in Wonderland and I was like, I, I want to like start, you know, maybe producing events because I feel like um, there's limited spaces for people in shows in the city um there's not a whole lot um there's not a whole lot of like big theatrical shows going on anymore obviously because of the pandemic but also i felt like people kind of lost interest or just stopped putting on these big shows and you know we're fine doing like you know smaller shows that like pieces and you know bars yeah. that are not huge um because i i remember when sasha used to do nightgowns every month That was like, I felt like a great time to be in drag because that was such like an amazing thing to witness. But I felt like a lot of those shows, shows like Nightgown, shows like, um, I don't know. There was a lot of shows at Bazaar and there was Switch and Play. These shows that I felt like showcased really cool drag that was like really out there and these really conceptual performers. So I basically was like, I think now's the time so i reached out to the slipper room and got the date and have been working my ass off on this show it is basically how i can describe the show is it is it's very much a theatrical event it's going to be a two-part show so there's an intermission in the middle um two sets me and allison are hosting interchangeably um and The cast is just so cool it's obviously Vicki and Martyr from my cycle of ultimate drag pageant, who I think are two performers that I. I respect so much and think they're doing awesome things, so I really wanted them to be a part of it and then allison chose. Two performers from where she's from, which is like the Philly area in South Jersey, and these are two performers that I also Venus Stratton and Lucy moth they are so good i saw them perform um in philly or in in new jersey so i these performers are like out of this world there's live singing there's guitar playing there's (laughs) there's every number is gonna have like some kind of visual to go along with it there's a lot of projector work um it's such a production there's a lot of comedy it's It's really going to be like not a lot of drag shows that I feel like are going on today. I I think it'll be a new kind of experience for people because it will be like a cabaret style show. That's super like overproduced.
0: (laughs) What other visions have you conjured up? Will this be the first of many iterations?
1: Um, hopefully visions will be a monthly show. That's like my hope. Um, I think that, um, I've been speaking also with other venues about other, possible Mm -hmm. events um and then i have this huge show in march (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is at three dollar bill that i'm hosting with opal essence um who's from albany it is this crazy cast i mean it's honey davenport from drag race alona Verley from canada drag race and then like a slew like (laughs) so many dragula Um, contestants. And then Camp
0: Wanakiki, don't forget about that. And Camp Wanakiki, of
1: course. Um, There's more than one Camp Wanakiki performer, and that's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) In the show. But um, no, it's very exciting. Um, It's definitely going to be a really cool show, because that's also a show that I've kind of um, been working with Opal to really, like, create a very um over-the-top event for like these amazing performers. Like it's mm-hmm. so crazy.
0: Alright, we're gonna play a game. It's called this or that. Simple. Give okay. you two options. Pick one. You ready? I'm ready. Day or night? Night. Breakfast or dinner?
2: Um dinner.
0: Paper or plastic? Paper. Netflix or Hulu? Honestly, lately, Hulu. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Live or digital? Live. Beetlejuice or Edward Scissorhands? Beetlejuice. Freddy Krueger or Michael Myers?
1: Freddy Krueger.
0: Bates Hotel or The Overlook? The Overlook. (laughs) Anna or Elsa?
1: Ooh, um elsa
0: ducktales or chippendale rescue rangers chippendale <laughs> don't fuck this one up disney world or disneyland disneyland and you fucked it up okay one of you no i'm kidding it's fine it's fine, it's fine. i'm biased fine. i worked there for it's it's two whole fine. months listen i think this is another good segue what is your signature number
1: how to become your signature number let's go behind the music Hmm. You uh, see, it's hard to say because I feel like I've toyed around with so many different numbers that I feel like I've tried to make, like, my go-to. But if I had to, like, pick one and said, like, the, that's my number I performed the most, I would have to say Cosmic Love is, like, my go-to, if not um, one of my Disney mixes, which I think are also equally as... Um, production based so I, I definitely think that cosmic love is going to become a number that I do much more often just because I created a brand new version of it for my show um, I just I felt like that was the first number I did at the West End where I felt like people really truly um, enjoyed like the whole Duration of that number. Like I felt like the energy was there from the audience. Um, and I did it twice at the West end. And I felt like both times they were so good. Um, because it's just a very like, I don't know, visual number. But the new now, version is even cooler.
0: <laughs> now let's talk about your Disney mixes. So I feel like um, you got the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. You, you, you've done um, Grin, Grin and Ghosts. Um, what is it about? making a disney ride a good drag mix
1: okay i okay basically i was toying around with this idea before i started really performing and i was like how can i bring a touch of like a disney park into the middle of new york yeah and i was thinking like how could i construct a number that would like give off the idea of the ride without being like very straightforward up front this is So I had this idea to mix like modern, you know, pop and like, you know, alternative music that's themed to like these numbers or like can be used for these numbers. And I definitely think that um, of the numbers that I have, because I have so many that I, I just have in my computer that I have not performed yet, because I didn't feel like they were the right time. But um, no, I think something about combining Disney rides with, like, pop music or, you know, alternative music is just such, like, a funny idea. Absolutely. Um, I, I I definitely love doing, like, the Haunted Mansion and Pirates and all that. I think it's fun. Twilight Zone is definitely my favorite just because I feel like that number is so ridiculously, <laughs> um, like, reveal heavy like there's like three reveals in the number there's ridiculous projection work but that's another number that i've been trying to fix up and really because back in the day when i did my projections they were really like low quality um imovie ish kind of slideshowy projections now you know after having like all this experience in motion graphics and graphic design i was really able to you know i these projections for my upcoming show are like i think these four numbers that i'm doing are definitely going to be numbers that i do a lot
0: yeah i mean i listen you know my love for disney it it knows no bounds i um because of all that like that's how i got heidi ho to do her tiki room number um and i desperately desperately tried to get Nicole a to do a jungle cruise number because you had the weird al song um and then all just that's just her humor is that terrible terrible jokes yeah that's her so i was i was trying maybe maybe now that the movie's out you pull you can pull more clips from the movie i don't know maybe i'll get her to do
1: it but i think nicole would be great as a skipper
0: (laughs) absolutely it would be
1: so annoying you would want to push her in absolutely no i think that would be great i also like feel like i want to see like some like random like like I had like these ideas I was like what Disney attraction can I pull out that would be like such a weird reference that like wouldn't work as a number but I'll make it work somehow like I was trying to think like what would be like the worst like reference to pull from I was like the people mover something like that (laughs) Dare you take it back I I mean I I I mean like what is what is there to work with
0: a lot (laughs) um i i mean i've told a couple people i had a brilliant idea for an incredibly incredibly offensive um it's a small world number where it's reveal after reveal after reveal
1: oh i've like toyed with that like an idea of a small world number where it's like where it's not it wouldn't be like me wearing (laughs) um like, obviously, like, culturally appropriating costumes. Correct. But it would be kimono or, like, robe kind of outfits that were the country's flags. Yeah. Like, that was my idea for how to do a number like that. Because I was, like, I was really toying with, like, Small World. Because I was, like, I feel like that would be a really funny number to do. Because... And
0: it's not a hard song to lip
1: sync. Because it's the same song all over. And also, I feel like nobody walks into a gay bar and wants to hear that. And that's exactly I do. what... <laughs> I feel Give like there's exactly the type number I want. I
0: want the Baja version.
1: version. There's, there's honestly, I think it's so funny that there's like all these pop star versions of like... Disney um, Mania! Literally, like all the Disney attraction songs. I was like, I like have like the most ridiculous Indiana Jones adventure mix that just is like... Five million car crash noises in a mix.
0: Naturally. All right. Speaking of music, music is universal. It brings people together and helps give a little insight on a person. In this game, we are going to create a playlist of nine songs that are the soundtrack of your life. This is Obscura's Ultimate Playlist. Are you ready to play? I am so ready. All right. For your first song, I want a song from your childhood.
1: Song from my childhood. I would say Ex Girlfriend by No Doubt. That was like my favorite song as a kid.
0: A song that will be your opening credit theme song. Opening
2: credits. Hmm. I would say. Hmm. This is an interesting one to think about. (laughs) Um, Opening
1: credits, um, maybe. Oh, this is gonna be a weird one. Um, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space from the Little Shop movie.
0: (laughs) A song that gets you in the mood to party.
1: Gets me in the mood to party. Um, Fast Slow Disco by St. Vincent. A song that you listen to when you're down down. Hmm, my like sad songs. Ah, oh, there's this really sad song that I used to, oh my god, it's called severed crossed fingers by St. Vincent. Alright, a song from quarantine. Ooh, song from quarantine. Oh, I was obsessed with um, chromatica. So Ugh, let me think. What song off Chromatico? That was like my first quarantine album obsession. Let's go with Alice. Alright. A song that reminds you of your first time in drag. First time in drag. What song? Prima Donna by Marina and the Diamonds.
0: Of course. A song that transports you to the most magical place on earth. Ooh.
2: Let me think, like, what Disney song never fails to, like, okay,
1: very specific, but I, th- I think it's called Married Life. It's the Up theme mm-hmm. song, That's what but they called. play on Loop on Main Street. It always, mm-hmm. like, every time I hear it, I feel like I'm at Disneyland. A song
0: from your favorite movie.
1: Song from my favorite movie. Oh, my God. I would have to say okay really weird but um i absolutely love the shining opening credit theme by wendy carlos who is a trans composer who used the moog synthesizer to rewrite classical music i think it's the weirdest song
0: well and finally the song that made you
1: who you are the song who made me who i am
2: okay that's hmm I would have to say hmm. Let
1: me this is like surprisingly hard i thought i would be like ready but um right. i would say that the song who made me who i am is probably something by like gwen stefani's first album first solo album i'll say oh i love serious that's like right. oh my god i love that song
0: there's your ultimate playlist we're gonna do another quite game. an interesting
1: mix of songs absolutely
0: (laughs) we're gonna play another game it is called the cameo game show if you are not familiar with the website cameo you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price but each celebrity has a different cost in this game you have to guess who costs more okay next up trinity to the tuck or kylie sonique love Ooh, i bet trinity charges more trinity is a hundred dollars kylie is 150 (gasps) oh my god Monique Hart or
2: Ms. Cracker? Ooh. Hmm. Monique, that's correct. Ninety-five dollars. Ms. Cracker,
0: seventy-five. Next, we have Laganja Estranja or Trinity K Bonet. Laganja Tr- Trinity K Bonet. Hmm. Probably Laganja. Laganja is only fifty-five. Trinity's seventy-five right now. Oh damn! We got Silky Nutmeg or Eureka O'Hara. Eureka, right? Yeah, she's at two fifty. Silky's at (laughs) one fifty, and I'm like, both of you are out of your minds. We're gonna go down under. Ketamine or Anita Wiglet?
1: Ooh. I'm guessing ketamine.
0: It is Kidamine at 89. Anita is 69, though I believe it is 120 if you do Anita doing
1: The Queen. Oh my God.
0: Next, we have Lemon or Cheryl Hole. Ooh. Probably Cheryl? No, it's Lemon. Lemon is 50. Cheryl is 34.
1: That, that's weird. I don't know. I just feel like because I've been in so many shows with Lemon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, we have Cornbread Jate or Carrie Colby. Um, ah, cornbread. It is cornbread. Forty five dollars. Carrie, forty three. Next, we have Jasmine Kennedy or Bosco. Ooh, I'm guessing Jasmine. No, it's Bosco. Forty dollars. Jasmine's thirty five. Carson Cressley or Ross Matthews.
2: Ooh,
1: I feel like Carson.
0: Carson is 69. Ross is 149. Oh, damn. And finally, how much can you get a Tamisha Amon cameo for? How much would Tamisha Amon be? God. I bet she charges like 80 bucks. Only 60. So almost there, but she's 60. That's a deal for her, I'm sure.
1: Honestly, I would do it. (laughs) Did you get her (laughs) shoes? Did you get the sneakers? I wish I got the sneakers just because that is possibly one of the most iconic drag race merch, like items I've ever seen. Where do you see the state of drag in five years? Ooh, well, assuming in five years, we have Corona under control and it's more like the flu. um, I feel like drag will definitely be, at least in New York, a much more open and creative space. Mm I feel like there's many Queens in Manhattan that are working to kind of dismantle the old school kind of mindset of drag. I feel like I have been seeing an increasing amount of people from Brooklyn in Manhattan too, which I feel like is definitely opening the door for more kinds of performers in Manhattan. Because I feel like if you want to see anything like a drag king or things that aren't, you know, what I, I mean, Manhattan drag, I feel like has been diversifying lately, but I feel like Brooklyn is such like a wild card, weird place. <laughs> um, I feel like there's more weird happening in Manhattan. So I, I bet in five years, it'll be more or less the same as Brooklyn.
0: How important is social media in the drag scene
1: today? Oh my God, it's everything. Uh, take it or leave it. I, I You cannot be a drag queen and not. Be on social media these days. I feel like so much of being um, a performer is making sure that you promote your shows and you know get your name out there. And social media makes that so easy, especially with like you know most people wanting to see your work or a portfolio um, if they want to book you. And I feel like Instagram is such like a perfect platform.
0: You shared a post from Dragula star host of Teratoma from a a year ago, two years ago um, for photographers about how to photograph drag artists. Why was this post important for you? And do you think this also, it goes in play for when someone, you know, will take a candid photo or is this just for the professional photographers?
1: Basically I'm just, okay. I have seen a lot of, now this, I have a friend in Washington who recently did a drag show, and I was talking to them about like, I'm like, why do they hire these photographers who can't photograph drag? Um, They're like these overexposed high contrast photos that just are very textured, you know, it's not flattering for drag queens to be photographed like that. I mean, so much of the makeup, what Hoso had said, um, is about Blacks needing to be Black. Um, you know,
2: uh,
1: very simple parts of our makeup that help the illusion go along that I feel like photographers who are not knowledgeable about what goes into drag makeup and maybe are thinking more of like editorial or like, you know, just normal live performance photography with stage makeup. Drag is so much different to photograph because there is a lot of, I mean, it's a complete restructuring of your face with makeup and it only Absolutely. works when photographed properly um and i think it's very annoying that a lot of these people hire photographers or think that they're getting a photographer that can photograph them and then the photos don't turn out that good and they you know they just either wasted money or you know needed photos and they don't have them anymore because they're not usable and i just feel like why are we why are we in a position to continue to allow people to photograph us in ways that we can't use when we should all be able to have photos that we can use yeah. i mean that we find flattering that don't make us feel like ooh do i look do i really look like that because you know these photographers will boost up the contrast and use poor angles and stuff like that but like at the end of the day that only really applies for people who are professionally shooting either portraits of drag queens or, or or are professionally shooting a live show. If you want to take a photo on your camera, I mean that's whatever. <laughs> like that that I would say is a completely different story cuz phone cameras are very different.
0: Right. It's time for everyone's favorite game. It's tea time. You are going to spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters, friends, colleagues, people you share a stage with, people you share a photo with, people you love, people you hate. I don't know, we're going to find out. Are you ready?
1: I am so ready. All right, let's start off, Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland, Okay, this is somebody I've known for like so long in drag, like literally pretty much we became friends a year into me doing drag. So like we've known each other for like over four years. She is so funny, so talented. I'm so excited to host the show with her. I feel like she's a performer that is so like underrated in her scene just because she really like only works with within like her drag company. And she's very like focused on that, but I would love to see her like all over the place in the coming year. Cause I feel like she definitely can do it. Next up Opal Essence. Opal is such a kind and um, just very hard-working drag queen. Um, she's constantly um, creating amazing opportunities for herself. She's really trying to make it as a show producer right now in Albany, and she's got this huge tour coming up. I- I'm very proud of how much she's, like, really taken her drag to the next level, and she has so many exciting things coming up for her. Next up is
0: someone who has done a cycle of udp but now it's gone it is ray of sunshine
1: oh my god ray of sunshine this is a person who i adore so so much um literally one of my like closest um friends i met through drag um ray has been great i literally saw them uh, what month was it october in chicago because that's where they are right now and it was so nice getting to see them and hang out we went to berlin for a drag show um no i i definitely want to see them doing more drag because they had such a unique perspective
0: another one who has done the udp won the udp but the 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 the, the COVID has said goodbye for now miss diamond wickfall
1: Oh my God, diamond wig. Another queen that I like wish she was still in the city. Um, She, I think she's in Salem right now, Mm -hmm. but she has such a fun and different style. I think like she had one of the more unique Manhattan styles. I loved her shows at the West end. It was so fun getting to be in the Halloween one. Um, She's such like a fun person to be around. Next up, someone who had influence on you
0: uh, when you first started out, Gina Tonic.
1: Gina is somebody who I feel like I have a very, (laughs) like she was like really like the first drag queen in the city I became friendly with. Uh, I feel like we have like the longest history in the city because I, I look back at like me in my early days of drag and she was always, you know, involved. But no, I, I think she's she's another queen that I feel like I haven't seen much of lately though, that I'd love to see more of. Would you call her mother? I mean, I would say that like, she definitely was a queen that gave me a lot of advice. I would say her and Poppy are like the two queens that really you know pushed me in the right direction.
0: Well, let's do it. She's P-O-P-P-Y,
1: it's scary, it's Poppy. Poppy is a queen that I miss so much. I I feel like she was such a hilarious and iconic underrated. Like I I wish she she got to do what she's doing in San Francisco in New York more because people would have you know been even more into her. I feel like she's always been hilarious. She has some of the best drag mixes ever. Her Star Wars drag mix is the best Star Wars drag mix I've ever seen, and I think everybody should. Have a chance to see it.
0: All right, next up is one of your sisters from UDP and someone who's been on Block Talk quite often as as a, a
1: guest, it's Miss Felicia. I I mean, honestly, I'll be honest. <laughs> we she was not the nicest to me on my cycle of UDP, but it wasn't, I don't think it was out of her wanting to be mean to me. I think she honestly saw me doing something different and was confused a little and was like- Okay, okay. Girl, you're not going to win the she She like basically like told me backstage, she was like, you're not going to win this doing only ballads. And I was like, but what if I do? (laughs) I mean, it wasn't wrong, but
0: not what you want to tell your sister.
1: I know, It, it like caught me off guard. Like, but I mean, I feel like she had a very like rocky kind of experience with the pageant too. I don't think well, she I was, know. she enjoyed it very much. And
2: that either. was her, I her second time did.
0: in cause she was in a regular season before that.
1: Yeah. I just, I feel like she might have not been like very happy with how the season, cause our season was kind of, I felt pushed to the back burner. Mm. Um, I felt like both seasons before had run, or all the seasons before had run really smoothly. And then ours was kind of like, we had lost the sponsor. Um, Nidra Bell wasn't hosting anymore. Um, Marty wasn't there for a lot of the competition. Right. (laughs) It was just, I don't know. It was a lot going on um and i think that we were all kind of out of it i mean i still don't understand how some of the performers were able to show up every week and like kill it like i I just i felt like we were all like so frazzled yeah
0: all right next up is someone who you would you would think they're in a nursing home at this point
1: it's coco taylor again another queen that i'm like i need to see more of I I haven't seen her since Ultimate Drag Pageant, but she's so funny, so kind, such a good drag queen. Oh, my God. Her numbers for UDP were brilliant. Another queen that I'm like, I I feel like more people in the city need to see. I mean, I don't know if she still does her show at Rock Bar, but. um...
0: she's got some new things coming up. And, hey, maybe you might hear her on the podcast very soon.
1: Oh, I'm very excited to listen. Next up, Vicky Deville. A performer. Literally, Vicky is one of the sweetest, most talented people I know. Such an amazing makeup artist, such an amazing performer. Um has one of the funniest drag daughters ever. Dot Deville. Literally
0: funniest, craziest, um, instigatingest. <laughs>
1: She's definitely a character. I I think she's hilarious. I I I learned to you know, I feel like she's very much of the mindset that like we should not take ourselves too seriously, and yeah, I do love that. At all. Um, and it's crazy
0: because you see the two of them; they are they seem like polar opposite humans, yet it works.
1: Oh, totally. And um, no, Vicky's like literally. I've seen Vicky right before the pandemic in Vegas at. Because um, we were both in Vegas going to Gaga for New Year's. Um, and then I hadn't seen Vicky since then until this year's Halloween. We like ended up at a party together. But now Vicky's going to be in my show. And I'm so excited to see what she's been cooking up. Because from what I've heard, her numbers are very, very fun.
0: Right. Well, last but certainly not least, it's Martyr.
1: Martyr is probably i would say a drag queen that i feel like i see i like literally like probably like feel like we're in the same like realm of drag like i feel like Martyr is very much into the whole projection-y production-y kind of spooky spooky kind of drag <laughs> that i also love i feel like Martir has such a unique an interesting style. I love how she's been able to evolve her drag over time. Like, I feel like she's had one of these transformations and she's become such like, I honestly feel like a staple in Brooklyn. I feel like she's made such a great name for herself. I can't wait to see what she does this year. I'm so excited to have her in my show because I know that she's gonna do something totally out there and insane and blow everybody away. Like. Because she's one of those queens that I feel like whatever she does, it's done with such a artistic approach that it could never, ever not be yeah. good.
0: I mean, listen, anyone who, who can do a subtle Doctor Who reference and me be like the only person to get it, I'm here
1: for it. Oh, I got the route. Rap- uh, no, I literally was like, oh, my God, weeping angels. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do in your off time? My off time, I mean, you could probably see in frame, I have a lot of plants (laughs) and I have a dog, Um, but in my off time when I'm not like doing drag, I'm really doing like, I mean, obviously, I'm in the process of graduating college, but also, um, which I've got one more semester, which is so exciting, but uh, mainly I've been, um, Honestly, working so much, like on my off time, I've been working on this show lately because this show requires so much work because it's really gonna be different than most drag shows I've seen. I mean, it's gonna be a fully immersive show-like experience. Like there's a pre-show, there's an intro, there's a video safety announcement, I mean, all these things have made it so I'm like, really, I've been like in work mode 24 um, seven lately, just trying to get it done in time because I pretty much have what, like 25 days till the show.
0: <laughs> all right, you've fallen down a rabbit hole on YouTube, what are you watching videos of?
1: Ooh, okay. My YouTube like is always like the same three things. and like never anything else. It's either those like Disney, like um, top 10 vids or like the ones that are like Disney that you didn't know about, because I'm always like, I'm curious to see if there's any new information that I don't already know about. (laughs) But I'll watch I'll watch those a lot. I'll watch. um, I watch a lot of live music on YouTube. So I'll just like sit there and watch a bunch of live performances of artists I like, or if I'm, like, really, like, feeling like I want to, like, be educational or stuff, (laughs) I'll watch, um, there's this YouTuber named Caitlin Doty who does all these videos about, she's a mortician, and she does these videos about, um, all kinds of wacky, like, weird death history, like, kinds of things, and there's also this podcast, um, and, uh, YouTuber named Bailey Sarian who does like spooky, like mystery videos. So I'll always like fall down like a spooky video rabbit hole.
0: You are hired as a Disneyland VIP tour guide. What is on the itinerary of must-sees and must-eats?
1: Okay. I almost was a plaid. It was very close to happening, (laughs) but obviously a million things have happened since I've worked at Disney. But um, basically this is how I do Disneyland. These are like the, mu- this is like the must happen kind of thing nowadays at Disneyland. So you go to the main park, what you're gonna need to stop at is you're gonna need, to, on Main Street, you're gonna need to get a cream cheese pretzel from I- Coke Corner. They are beyond amazing. They're like the best things in the park. Heading into the park itself, I usually love to start off in the Adventureland entrance. Okay, good. We're going the right direction, and I will go. The Tiki Room and Dole Whip are a must. Mm -hmm. You have to. And the Tropical Hideaway at Disneyland now has like all these different flavors of Dole Whip and different like preparations. My favorite is there's like this mango pineapple one that they cover in like. Tahine and chamoy, which are like these like, it's like chili and like apricot sauce, basically, really good. Um, you have to go on the Jungle Cruise, you have to. And um, after that, um, I would say, there are really good skewers in Adventureland, <laughs> like just like meat skewers. But you go into New Orleans Square, you have to ride Pirates and Haunted Mansion. They're a must. Um I would say in New Orleans square the best place to eat is the French Market or the um there is a other restaurant that has the Monte Cristo sandwich. So ridiculously insane. Um and well, then you got to you got to do Splash Mountain which is being redone obviously. Is it when They you see they announced that they were turning it into a tiana ride but they never gave a timeline exactly very smart um so I, I don't see that happening for at least a year or two but that's very exciting basically you you do slash mountain um and then you have to do you have to go around now you're in star wars galaxy's edge
2: mm-hmm.
1: you got to do both you gotta okay. do Rise of the Resistance, which you gotta get a boarding group first of all, first thing in the morning.
0: We're still doing <clears> that <throat> at Disneyland. What? We're still doing that at Disneyland. I, I believe that there, or let me think if there's still Disney little, World has gotten rid of the boarding passes. You don't have. You can now stand by.
1: Um, I think that there's fast passes now, or, or they did the Genie, whatever the Genie Plus, which Genie is Genie Plus the fast pass paid system, which has got a lot of people angry for good reason. Oh yeah. Um, But Rise of the Resistance is gonna blow your, literally blow your mind. It's the most insane thing I've ever experienced. And then Smuggler's Run is so fun to fly the Millennium Falcon. Then you kind of exit into Frontierland, you gotta ride Big Thunder Mountain, it's a must. You go into Fantasyland, from there, I would say the best things are Peter Pan and the new Snow White, and Alice in Wonderland is my favorite dark ride. You gotta go on Matterhorn, you gotta go on Small Worlds. Fantasyland, there is a really good flatbread in Red Rose okay. Tavern. It's like a mozzarella, tomato, balsamic flatbread. It's like one of All the right. best things. As for Tomorrowland, I'm really only a, you have to do Space Mountain, and that's it <laughs> in Tomorrowland. Wow, okay. Well, because even you no know, people move over there. There's no people move at Disneyland. I know. It's very unfortunate. Thanks
0: Michael Eisner.
1: Yeah. Thanks thanks literally everybody involved in allowing it to crumble into nothing. Um but mostly Michael Eisner. But I would say Tomorrowland, you got to ride Space Mountain. I I don't care for the submarines. Star Tours is okay, but if you've ridden Smuggler's Run, it's kind of it feels ridiculous to ride after. And then um astro blasters is kind of fun but it's it's not like a must i would say and in galaxy's edge there' these things called Ronto wraps which are also very good food item but i will say the best food and the best drinks are in dca so if you go to dca the best things to ride i would say are you have to go on Sorin, you have to go on the Incredicoaster, mm-hmm. you have to go on um whatchamacallit, call um, it? Mission Breakout, which is the Galaxy or Guardians of the Galaxy um, Tower of Terror overlay, and I would say if you want to get wet, Grizzly River Rapids or Grizzly River Run—it's so much fun. Um, Listen,
0: the last time I was at Disneyland was 21 years ago. Um, I had the pleasure of doing Superstar Limo. So I was <gasps> one of the very few who got to ride it. Mm-hmm. That's that's how long it's been since I've been to Disneyland. <laughs> so I, got, I, I was on it. I rode that fucking thing. Um, yeah. I, I, Legendary. I, yeah. So I, I was there when it was still um, the California Pier, and you had all those, the, the Malibuomer and all that crazy crap, and
1: now they're all gone. Yeah. No, what they did with Pixar Pier is great, though. I really love the overlay. I think Midway Mania is so fun, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would say like DCA is all about like the food and drinks. Carthay Circle is one of the best restaurants in the park. Also at Disneyland, Blue Bayou is pretty good. Yeah. Um, but Carthay Circle is the best restaurant in all of Disney, all of Disneyland. And then I would say there's like the Pacific Wharf area, and also Radiator Springs Racers in Cars Land, insane. Um, and also Cars Land has like the Cozy Cone Motel, which has really good snacks. And then what else? They usually have, like, okay, if you're, like, there and at the right time, the Food and Wine Festival is, like, beyond.
0: There, that sounds like a fun day at Disneyland. I'm here for it.
1: And the best got... part is you can do it all in one day.
0: I know. That's the crazy <laughs> part. It's, like, you can barely even get through Magic Kingdom in a day nowadays.
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: All right. I got some fan corner questions for you. Are you ready? Are we going to keep it? Yeah, I'm Disney. so ready. Keeping it with Disney from Coco Taylor. What is the best Disney backstage cast member
1: gossip? Oh. <laughs> Let me think.
2: Okay, if there's one thing I can share. Um. Okay. This is this is one story I will say. There's a rumor that the princesses are not so nice. Ooh. Some
1: of them are nice some of them just are tired, you know? I feel like if you've been dealing with kids for that long, you get, you get kind of mad. But yeah. um, the best part about working backstage at Disneyland is you get to see all the characters backstage um, on their breaks. My friend was working in Fantasyland at Red Rose Tavern and Tiana had just walked backstage and she starts screaming. <laughs> she started screaming and going these fucking kids they ripped my dress they pulled on my dress like she was mad and then also that same day my friend went to the bathroom um and on her way out saw the fairy godmother smoking
0: there <laughs> now listen here here's my disney backstage fantasy i want and i hope i can one day see flynn rider
1: making out with prince philip okay honestly the the worst part about um the characters is that they're all straight they For all look
0: says. that they look, there,
1: i had there, i had one i had one
0: friend who got to do the prince arc and got to do a bunch of them and i was like you are making
1: my dreams come true kid the thing is is that a lot of the times um they're like they're like people who want to do acting but they like get these roles instead. But it's so funny because I did know a few of the people who did do characters and they're just it's such like a random amount. I knew somebody <laughs> I knew somebody who had just gotten goofy but then decided to not do it, which I think is so funny. But no the characters they're all very um they're all very straight. It's weird. Except for like Peter Pan. Listen, I will. I
0: have a Peter Pan fantasy, and I, I'll take I'll take Peter Pan and all those Lost Boys. All right, another question from Coco Taylor. You kind of already alluded to it, but I, you, we're going to open it up to Disney World as well. What are your top three Disney attractions? Number one's got to
1: be Haunted Mansion. I mean, the history alone, the. Just everything that's gone into that attraction, it just it shows me exactly like imagineering at its finest, where like truly no detail is left. Um you know, on the back burner. Everything is there. It's just so fully realized, it's insane. Then I would say Pirates, which is another attraction that I, I will say the Disneyland version is the only good one.
0: <laughs>
1: Whoa, fires. The There's Disney God. World version yeah. is very short okay it's fair the disneyland one is like 10 minutes which isn't
0: isn't there one an international version that's like a thrill ride that's like even better
1: there is the shanghai one which i have not done yet so i can't speak for it but it does look very amazing but i did go on the paris one the paris one's also pretty good but it wasn't as good as the one at disneyland the one at disneyland is just such an experience and I don't know. There's just something about going on Pirates, the smell, the line, like never being that long. Um, and just, I don't know, getting like slightly wet, but not soaked like Splash Mountain. And then if I were to give a third, let me think of a third, because that's always really hard. I would have to say for Disneyland, or actually, hmm. You know, what? I have to give some love to DCA, so I'll give a third from DCA. And I'm going to say something that's kind of controversial, but I love Sorin. I feel like a lot of people do not love it because it's very simple, but I think it's an extremely effective attraction. and It's the I immersiveness. Love it. It's the California version that really gets me. I think it's visually very pretty and I yeah. love the smells. The orange smell is enough mm-hmm. to like make me want to rank it higher.
0: Yeah. I've not uh, got. I mean, it's been a while since I've been to Disney World. I'm hope as long as everything goes according to plan this time, I'm going in May. Um, but I've never done Soren a- a- around the world, so I'm excited for that one. I'm, oh, soaring a- around the world here.
1: is insane. My friend sent me a photo once of them in India at the Taj Mahal, and I was like, you know, you're gonna hate me for saying this, but tell me why I like instantly smelled the rose smell mm-hmm. from Soren. <laughs> because. Yeah. Because it's such like these, it's like that weird memory thing, like where you see something because Soren, it's just like such like a sensory experience that like when you see these sights, like you associate them with the smell.
0: All right. Last question we have. It's from Martyr. What is your favorite memory at Nightgowns?
2: Ooh.
1: Oh my God. Nightgowns was such an amazing show to get to experience that many times i mean i literally have been to pretty much every single one since like october 2017 Mm -hmm. um other than two new year's
2: shows but i would say my favorite memory like my favorite ever number i would say is Hmm. Honestly, kind of recent, but Nightgowns the musical, Mm -hmm. that whole production
1: was so brilliant on Sasha's part. Um, I definitely would say that that was like one of the high points, but my favorite overall, um, Sasha did this performance that was like, um,
2: it was really like out there. I'm trying to think what it was too. It was it was like so theatrical. Um,
0: My favorite nightgowns performance. The only time I've gotten gotten to go, it was Sasha first nightgowns after appearing on the show. Um, so it was on 420 of that of the year, season nine aired. And it was just the opening number. Um, it was carried that way by the it was the Jennifer Hudson uh sing version, and it was the entire cast doing this number. I was like, that's all you need. It was just so beautiful and subtle. It had future drag race stars of Scarlet Envy and Candy Muse in it.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, no, that's like, it's crazy to think like how many drag race queens have been at nightgowns, because I always think of it as such a local show. But I would say okay, I I think I remember it was it was like, I don't know why I can't remember the name, but it was her. And it was with a light bulb.
2: Hmm.
1: And it was this like such like a wild and different number for her but oh, i don't know why i don't remember it but i thought it was so like what it was so visually mean? interesting because it was so simple
0: Just means the listeners have to go
1: onto youtube and find it i know i go like down it.
0: that rabbit hole sasha velour
1: it's like so i don't know why i can't remember what the song was but it was It'll sasha It was her and she was holding this light bulb and it would just like light up like periodically throughout the song.
0: Nice. Well, I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question and this is a question from Piretta Victory. What is an act by another performer that you wish you had come up with?
2: Ooh.
1: I mean, Piretta has some pretty amazing numbers. Mm -hmm. I think Piretta is another... Um, performer who has ridiculously insane concepts and equally insane costuming to match always Um, I would say a uh, performance that I wish I'd come up with okay Sasha has this number to come rain or come shine that is so good it's basically like because come rain or come shine it's like this song that just builds and gets crazier with like the instrumentals as it goes along and it's just like her and like a rain, st- like a drizzle and then it like gets into like thunder and lightning and there's just like umbrellas flying and she continuously like her gets more distressed like her wig goes like she like switches out the wigs to like these wigs that are like all like crazy and then she gets struck by lightning and the wig looks like like it's sticking straight up and that's cool it's just the craziest, wildest, like hilarious number. I think it's like so genius.
0: Well, now it's your turn to ask my next guest a question.
2: Ooh, okay. My question is, um, what is one venue
1: that is like your number one dream to perform at? Like, All right. what is like your dream venue? All
0: right. Who? would you like to hear on block talk in 2022? We're trying to bring in new people anywhere, anywhere in the world at this point, we might as well go big or go home. Right. Who would you like to hear an interview from?
1: Um, let me think who I know who, who like has a lot going on. I mean, Astala Vista is such a hardworking queen in Jersey. She's Mm -hmm. very cool. Um, but she was just on like the show Frogger Mm -hmm. and she's very funny Um, I don't, let me think who else, um, there's so many Queens that I'd love to, you know, hear from in the city, but I don't know, I I guess I would say Sala Vista, (laughs) um, and maybe, let me think who you haven't really had on. I mean, I'd love to hear from Poppy where she's at now.
0: Maybe. Hey, we're bringing it, bringing out this new series. So maybe, maybe Poppy could be coming up next.
1: Oh my God. I would love,
0: I don't know. I don't know if I could handle Poppy for more than five minutes. We'll see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> She's quite the gal. She sure is. Well,
0: where can we find you on social media Venmo and any more projects you want to plug?
1: Um, You can find me on social media at official obscura on Instagram Um, Obviously, I have my show Visions on January 31st. The tickets are in my, the link is in my bio. And I also have an Instagram page for the show. It's called Visions the Drag Soiree. And then then I also have the show in March at $3 bill.
0: And then from there, hopefully, the world will be open up again.
1: Oh my God, hopefully. It'll be such a cool show if it happens. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, Obscura, it was such a pleasure having you on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: The biggest thanks to Obscura for coming on. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at thenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk.